is my east side family doing, huh? Man, good to see you all. All y'all beautiful people. Some of y'all looking better than you normally look too, okay? Man, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming out and being with us on Thursday. It was a great worship set. Hope you enjoyed it. I know the Father did, but uh, man, it's good to have you. Welcome. Thanks for being here at Eastside. And our online people, man, thanks for checking in uh, wherever you're at. Yeah, that's awesome. We're glad to have you here. Now, obviously, I love Father's Day weekend because I'm a dad, okay? But I also like it because... Father's Day weekend gives us a chance to do some things that you can't do any other time in the year. It just doesn't fit, okay? And so Father's Day weekend gives you a chance like that, like, um, like bacon at church. Come on now, huh? Think about that. I mean, how cool is that? When's the last time you've been to a church and they gave you bacon, huh? When's the last time that happened? You can only do that at Father's Day. I mean, it, it'll make, we're probably not going to do that on, um, you know, Palm Sunday. Probably not going to do it then. It only makes sense on Father's Day. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff that only fit this weekend, like bad dad jokes, okay? I've been hearing those all week. People have been talking about it. I heard a couple that I brought for you, okay? I like them, but, you know, I got a weird sense of humor. So let me throw a couple of them to you. And uh, if you don't like them, just boo, okay? What is Forrest Gump's password? One password, one. One forest, one. I think that's funny myself. I don't know about y'all. What did one... Um... <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh when you say this, okay? What... <laughs> what did one cannibal comedian say to the other cannibal comedian? Does this taste funny to you? <laughs> that's just me, okay? Just me. I don't know. I better start preaching, aren't I? I feel like I'm dying here on the rug a little bit. There's another um, meaningful thing about Father's Day, and I've been kind of holding off on it for a while to be able to talk to you about a little bit. And uh, so let me get serious here just for a minute. Um, one of the things that churches do nowadays, and we do here at Eastside, you probably have noticed that for a while, is we provide security, okay? And so if somebody would have told me that, 30 years ago, the churches are going to provide security. I thought they were out of their mind. But we live in a different world nowadays, don't we, huh? And so churches have to provide that, and we do that here at Eastside. We employ um, police officers to be here on our grounds every service that we have. We pay for those guys uh, to be here. They do a fabulous job for us. And just kind of as a, a little side note, uh, one of our police officers, not too long ago, we baptized him and his family, and they're part of our church now, okay? That's really cool. Um, and so we got, a, we got a, a lot of those guys. We've got some volunteers that help us out here and serve on a safety team. And we just got a lot of people that are serious about it, and they invest some self into that about keeping us safe here at our church. And I'm just, I'm just really happy with all those people and thankful for what they do. And we've been talking for a while about kind of expanding that a little bit more because uh, we got a lot more people coming to our church. We want to keep our kiddos safe. Uh, we're kind of we're kind of reserved from that in this room, but I mean we got a lot of kiddos over there, and we just want to keep everybody as safe as we possibly can. So we've been talking about let's expand that ministry here at our church because it really is a ministry. And when I heard about that, I said Father's Day weekend. That's when we're going to do it. 
because we're going to challenge the dads to step up and keep us safe, okay? So it's Father's Day weekend, and I want to give that challenge to our dads. And, and, it's, and, and you don't have to be a dad. You don't have to be a man, okay? Uh, quite frankly, I'm scared of some of you women. Okay, you do awesome <laughs> on our security team. Uh, so you don't have to be a dad, but it helps. And I just want to challenge anybody here that if you want to be a part of a ministry that makes a difference, in today's world, uh, we're going to build that even more, and we'd love to have you help us, okay? So we're going to put a, a QR uh, code right on this screen right now. And if you're interested in that, you can just take your phone right now, you scan that thing, and uh, that'll tell you everything you need to do, and we'll get connected with you, and we'll just keep making this a safe place, okay? So we want to come to worship, and we want to be safe. Now, let me tell you why I'm really, really pumped that it's Father's Day weekend, and that is because uh, I chose that I wanted to preach on a topic this Father's Day that has been stirring in my bones for a long time. And there's going to be there's going to be folks this weekend that you, they're going to come up to me and they're going to say, "Man, that has been stirring in my bones too. That really has." And there might be some people that kind of that rubs them wrong a little bit this weekend. And that's okay with me, okay? You can deal with that. But this topic that has just been really gnawing at me that we got to do something about this and talk about it, I've kind of hinted at it a few times every once in a while, throw a point out there about it. But this, this weekend, man, we're just going to dive into it with both feet. And I want to talk about the spiritual influence that a father can have in the life of their kids. That's what I want to talk about. How dads can spiritually mold their kids. Now, dads aren't the only people that influence a person toward Jesus. I mean, it can be a mom, it can be a, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach, a friend, a pastor, a, a neighbor, a co-worker. I mean, anybody can lean a person toward getting right with God and walking with Christ. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. And, and we believe that here. At Eastside, we call those people our Jeremy's, okay? That's kind of our, our term that we have here. A Jeremy is a person that influenced you in a positive way spiritually and led you toward a walk with Jesus. So a lot of us have Jeremy's, and anybody can be a Jeremy. But, but I want you to hear this, and I want, you, I want you to catch this carefully. If you're a dad, if you're a father, there is something in your dynamic, there is there's something going on that God has placed within you uniquely as a dad that raises you to a level of influence that ain't nobody got what you got. And, and I want to talk about that this week. I want to talk about that. Now, I'm a numbers guy, so I want to show you some numbers. I'm going to show you some things that are going to cause your heart to palpitate a little bit. And some of these numbers are going to kind of open up some eyes in a, in a real fresh way. But let me talk to you about something as simple as church attendance. And I want to show you this. If a dad does not attend church regularly, if you've got, you got a family where the dad just doesn't do the church thing, here's what we know. 2% of kids in families like that grow up to be adults who regularly attend church. Only 2%. If dad doesn't go, the kids aren't going to go later in their life. It's as simple as that. Now, let me show you this. If dad does attend regularly, 
If a family has a dad that's a part of a church, 70% of those kids end up, as adults, regularly attending a church and worshiping God. You tell me the presence of dad in a church don't matter. That's crazy stuff. Let, let me change you a topic. Let me show you this. Let me talk to you about salvation when you become a Christian. And one of the things we know, that if a child in a family is the first person in a family who becomes saved, if a child gets right with God, they're the only one in the family, they're the first one that did it, here's what we know. 3% of the rest of the whole household, I'm talking to everybody in the house, 3% of those families are going to become all Christians because the child led the way. You ever hear that phrase, a child will lead the way? Ever hear that? I'm going to show you that ain't true. Let me show you this. If the mom is the first saved, then what we know, if mom is the first one to get right with God, then 17%, in all probability, 70% of the rest household is gonna become a Christian. They're gonna get right with Christ. So we go from 3% to 17%. Now be ready to be wild about this. If dad is the first saved, check this out. 93% of the households are all gonna come to Christ. You tell me it don't make it matter if dad leads the way. God put it together not so a child will lead them. God put it together so a dad will lead them. Now let me tell you something about those numbers. And I, I didn't have to tell you these things about these numbers, but I'm, I wanna be real about it. We don't know that those numbers are right. We're not sure about that. Those numbers have been kind of touted for about 25 years now. And if you read much about Christianity and how it works in America, you probably have come across numbers like that. And they've been kind of pasted all over. And they started from two very reputable sources. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you what the agencies were that kind of started that in their materials and the books there, because I don't want to throw them under the bus. But we know where it started about 25 years ago. And a lot of people have been kind of saying it over and over through the years. I've read those numbers just seems like forever. And the truth is that we don't know where they got those numbers. They don't claim that they have a source of their data. And when they have been pressed to find it out, they've never given an answer. And that has led most people to question whether those are real. The closest that we can find, and you can actually do this yourself, I did it this week just to make sure, there is a study that was done in the year 2000 by a government agency in the country of Switzerland, and their numbers came up to numbers that were similar to that, but does it make sense to use research in a totally different culture than ours? Probably not. And so here's what we know. That at best, those numbers are probably exaggerated. And at worst, they may be a myth. They may not even be true at all. They may be just totally made up. But here's what we do know. For those who are passionate about this, those who study this, those who get down into the weeds and read through this, the thesis of the numbers that I showed you are still unquestionably true. Fathers have a dynamic within them that is generally stronger than anyone else to have a spiritual influence in the life of their kids. Dads, you've got something in you. 
And that doesn't mean moms don't have a spiritual influence. They do in an incredible way. In fact, if you open up your Bible, you know about a guy named Timothy. Timothy's a big dude in the New Testament, man. Had two letters written to him that are in the Bible. Timothy was a real dude. You know who influenced him? His mom and his grandma. And so if we just ask right now, everybody in this room who is influenced spiritually by your mom, just stand up. Most people be on their feet, okay? That's not saying nobody has any other influence. It means that something different happens when dads do it. It, it has a significant escalation when dads say, I'm gonna be the spiritual influence in this home. And it's just been eating in me that we take a weekend and we dive into that and talk about that as a church. And I thought no better time to do that than, than a Father's Day weekend. The largest Christian church in our brotherhood, number one biggest church in America of a Christian church stripe is Christ Church of the Way in Phoenix, Arizona. My uh, sister and brother-in-law were part of that church when they lived down there. And I, I happen to be lucky enough to sit in a group of people one time where the pastor of that church, the lead pastor of the church at that time by the name of Don Wilson was talking to a group of pastors and I just got lucky enough to be thrown in there and he talked about things they were learning. Largest Christian church in America said, here's some things we're learning. And what he shared is they were learning that if they reached the dad, they'd reach the whole home. If they reach somebody else in the home, they might or might not reach everybody, but if they reach the dad, and so they began to build their whole church around everything it would take to reach a dad. And everything they did in their church, they asked, is that going to reach a dad? Is that going to reach a dad? Is that going to reach a dad? And Don told us that they had just finished um, putting together kind of a renovation of their big commons area, kind of like what we've just done here at Eastside. And theirs is a tad bigger than ours. And he said, we just got all that done. And he said, I happened to be walking through there in the middle of the week one day, and they had just finished some decoration. He said there were these great, big, beautiful pots, and they had these incredible flowers coming out of them. He said, man, it was breathtaking. It was so beautiful and pretty. And he said, I saw them, and I immediately went and found a person who was responsible to put them out there. And I said to him, I want them flowers out of here. And she said, why? They're beautiful. He goes, yeah, they're beautiful, but I want them out. He said, why? Because men don't care about flowers. Get them out of here. She said, what do you want to do? He said, I want motorcycles out there. And so they took about two or three months where they had classic motorcycles in the lobby of their church, and they found dads galore started to come to their church. Why would he do something like that? Because he knew something. He knew something that I want to present to our church this weekend. And that is anybody can be a Jeremy, and thank God everybody is a Jeremy to reach some of the knuckleheads that we got in this room like me, Okay. But dads, dads, you have something in you from the Father that nobody else has. And I want to talk to you about how you can use that to spiritually influence your family. So does the Bible talk about that any? Does the Bible tell us how dads can do that? I, I, I think it does. And I want to show you a place in the Bible that is 
almost eye-opening to me, and it's a story that you've heard about. If you've got any church in you at all, you know about the parable of the prodigal son. We, we know that story, okay? Guy's got two boys. Youngest one takes his share of the estate. He takes off, blows it all in wild living, comes down on wild luck, comes back home with his tail between his legs, and his dad accepts him. So we all know the parable of the prodigal story, these three guys in there. But I want you to take your laser beams right now, and I want you to focus your laser beams on full strength on the father. Because this guy had spiritual influence in his family in a dramatic way. And I want to just kind of remind you of a few things in the story that show us how this guy chose to be a spiritual influencer to his family, to his kids and everybody in his home. I'm going to show you some things in the story you might not have seen before, because what we're going to do, this is kind of my title. I don't know anybody's ever used this, but I kind of use this for myself. And what we're going to do is we're going to get under the covers of the story. And I use that analogy often when I'm reading through the Bible, particularly if I'm reading something that I've read a million times, okay? I know the parable of the prodigal son, okay? I know that. If I'm reading something I'm very, very familiar with, I will force myself, in my metaphor, I say, get under the covers. Get under there and maybe see some things that you've never seen before. Some people refer to it as peeling away the layers of an onion to get to the core. And so when we take this story, the parable of the prodigal son, that most people in this room say, dude, I know about that. I've heard 500 sermons on the parable of the prodigal son. But have you ever been under the covers? And I want to take you under the covers. I want to show you some things that I plead with you to take notice of, particularly if you're a dad. And I think anybody in the room, whether you're dad, male, female, it is important that you see these things happening under the covers. But man, if you're a dad, you gotta hear it. You gotta hear this. And if you're a young dad, I don't even know how to say how important it is. So let me, let me throw some at you. And we're not gonna get real deep tonight and long. We're just gonna kind of throw it out here. I want you to notice what I call the pay in the story. The pay. And, and you all know that, that part of the story when the younger son, I mean, he's down on his luck, okay? He spent it all, he's out of money, he's working at a hog farm, and uh, hogs are eating better than he does. And so in his mind, he thinks, I'm gonna come back home. And here's what he reasons in his mind, and you've read this a thousand times. I don't know if you've ever read it under the covers. Let me show you what he said to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? You recognize that? Anybody recognize that? Okay, you, you've heard that in the part of the story, haven't you? Yeah, we all know that. And the, the son is thinking, man, my dad's got hired men back home. They got food to spare. We'll get under the covers. Pull the onion layers out and think about this. Hired men don't make a lot of money, particularly in that culture. I mean, they're on the low level of the pay structure. And if you're hired men in the first century, let me tell you, dude, you got a place to lay your head and you got a couple of things you can nibble on today to sustain you and you're doing pretty good. Not these guys. Not these guys that work with this father. They had food to spare. Now, what in the world does that mean? 
You know, I've read that forever. What in the world does that have to do with the spiritual influence that a father has upon his kids? And I want to suggest to you that the young kid in that story, the son that took off, remembered that his dad back home, catch this, was a guy who always did the right thing. He always did what's right. He was a dad that always did that which was best. He was a dad who lived as an example of integrity. He didn't pay these guys like everybody paid these guys. No, he paid these guys so these guys had more than they even needed. So, fellas, we all, we all know about this. Our actions will speak louder to our children than our words will. They will remember what you do more than they will remember what you say. And so, so check this out. I wrote, I wrote this as my way of kind of summarizing what I was trying to say. Is that years later, years from now, when our kids are making important life decision as adults, just like that young man was, they're going to remember more of what they saw us do than what they heard us say. And so dads, if you wanna have a spiritual impact within your household, you wanna make a difference spiritually, then you will come to understand that the things you do are the things those kids will remember, both good and bad. I had a guy talk to me one time and he was telling me um, about how he married his wife. It's a buddy of mine from years and years ago, and he was describing how he met her, and they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and, and they were kind of getting serious, and you know, he was thinking, man, maybe she might be the one, and, and, uh, and he said, we were getting to the point where we were really getting kind of serious, and I was thinking maybe you know, I might pop the question to her, and her daddy, he said, her daddy told us one day, he said, hey, I'm gonna take everybody to the circus, and uh, the, remember the, the P.T. Barnum thing used to go around in, in different towns and stuff and that? That circus, whatever it was, happened to be in their town. And the dad saw it and he said uh, he was going to take his wife, he was going to take his daughter and her boyfriend, my buddy. He said, we're going to circus. And so they go to the circus. He said, we're sitting in this tent. It's three million degrees in there. And we're drinking Cokes and eating popcorn and all these people are in there. And he said, and the thing is about to start. And this big line of kids walk in. He said, they're just young kids, and they're just a, a slew of them. And they, you know, he said, there's, there's 10, 12 of them, and they're coming in, and they sit on the bleachers right behind us, and they got one lady with them, an older lady, one lady with them, and he said, we eventually reasoned that she was probably like a foster parent or something like that, and she took the kids to the circus that night. And my buddy said he's sitting there, and they're watching the, the circus, and he hears one of the little boys behind them on the bleach behind whisper to the girl next to him, which probably was his sister, they said. He said, tell her I want some popcorn. And the little girl said, no, be quiet. And then that came up again. Tell her I want some popcorn. No, be quiet. And that happened three or four times. And finally, the little girl said to this little boy, apparently her brother, she spent all her money on the tickets, so be quiet. 
And my buddy said, their whole family's hearing this, and he looked down, and his future father-in-law, without saying a word, stood up and just left. They thought, where in the world did he go? And then he came back a few minutes later with an arm truckload of food. And every one of those kids, he remembered, got a soda pop and a bag of popcorn and a ticket for an ice cream after the circus. And my buddy said this to me. He said, you know, I don't remember a whole lot of things he ever said in our life, but I remembered what he did that night. And I thought, if he's that good, surely some of that rubbed off on his little daughter. What happened? He had the example. He had the example. And so guys, when you see the parable of the prodigal son, I want you to remember the pay. Don't forget the pay. Take notice of the pay. He was a man of integrity in how he lived. And if you figure that out, you're going to have spiritual influence on your families. And so somewhere down the road, when they're talking about you, dudes, listen, when they're talking about you, will they remember how you paid the hired men more than anybody else? Will they remember that about you? Will they remember how you were kind and thoughtful to their mother? Will they remember that you always got to work early? Will they remember that you were smart with your money? Will they remember you walking them into church? Will they remember seeing you read your Bible? Will they remember that? They will remember what they saw more than what they heard. That's a powerful thing for guys to know about when you're raising kids. Let me show you another thing under the covers. Remember the porch. Now, now you remember the pay here. Take notice of the pay. But I want you to take notice of the porch in the story. And I got to admit to you, I'm reading into this a little bit, okay? So give me a break on this one. But I want to show you a verse that it's a big verse in the parable prodigal story. It's the 20th verse. It's kind of a key verse. And I want to show you something about uh, this thing called the porch. He got up and went to his father. So that's the younger son, okay? Down on luck, goes home to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Now I want you to look at that, and there's a part of that that has always caused me some wondering. Why did Jesus put in the story that the young man was a long way off? Why is that a part of the story? I mean, he could have very easily put in this story that the young man made it home, he knocked on the door, and the door opened up, and there was dad, and they had this conversation. He could have had that part of the story, and nothing about the story would have ever changed. Why did he put this idea that the young man was still a long way off when his daddy saw him? Why did he put that there? Well, I'm probably reading into it. I'll probably get to heaven and Jesus will say, dude, you weren't even close about that. But I, I tend to think maybe that Jesus was trying to enhance our imagination. And here's what I think. I think what Jesus was telling us, that the father saw him a far way off. Listen to this, because the father was always looking for him. So imagine it. Put your imagination to work. And maybe it's early in the morning before anybody goes up. Everybody's still in bed, and that father crawls out of bed. And he goes down and gets him a cup of coffee in the kitchen, and he heads out on the porch, and he sits in one of those 
rockers from Cracker Barrel. You know those been around since Jesus, okay? So he sits in that Cracker Barrel and he just squints over the field with his coffee that morning. Or maybe, maybe it's after dinner in the evening and he finishes his meal and he heads out to the porch to relax after a long day and he kind of puts his feet up and he, he peers out again into the horizon to see if this might be the day. See, he saw him a long way off because he was always looking. And, and if that's the way it played out, if that's what Jesus was trying to tell you, I want to tell you something that I would bet money on. My money would go on the fact that he wasn't just looking out. He was looking up. In the morning, he's praying, Lord, could you make today the day? And in the evening, he's, he's praying, God, can you see to it that this is the last night that he's not home with his mother? Could you make tomorrow morning be the day that he comes up over the ridge? How much time do you think, when you think about this, that that man spent on the porch looking up? Father to father, father to father, will you take care of my boy? Guys, you have a spiritual influence to do that when you pray for your kids, and here's why. Because you and God understand each other because you're both fathers. And so how much time are you on the porch? How much time are you on the swing? How much time are you laying in bed? And you're going to the Father for the people in your home. I, I think I, I shared this a few years ago. I can't remember, but there was a time when I was on the porch and uh, it became a pivotal moment for me and I've never forgotten it. And we lived in this little tiny town um, up in central Illinois, and everybody in that town knew everybody, man. It was just a little town and, and very friendly. And I was a preacher of, of the, ch the church there. And so, I mean, everybody knew me. I, knew, I just knew everybody. And I'm sitting on my porch. I'm swinging. I love to swing, okay? I still love to swing. And I saw down at the end of the street on the sidewalk, on the side of our home, I saw this lady walking down the sidewalk. And, and I thought, oh, probably somebody from the, you know, our little subdivision here, maybe somebody at church or, you know, probably somebody. And the closer she gets, the more I realize, I don't know who she is. I've never seen that lady before. And that was really weird to see anybody in that little town. You've never, you, you thought, who is this person? If you saw somebody you didn't know. And the closer she got, I thought, man, I, I don't know her. She doesn't go to our church. She don't live around here. I ain't seen her at the only grocery store we got. I don't know who this lady is. And she just keeps walking. And she got right in front of my house. And she stopped. And she looked dead at me in the eyes. Now, I'm not one of those creepy, woo, guys or anything, but I'm telling you, so he stopped right there, and she looked dead in my eyes, and she said this, are you Dave Hastings? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, are you the preacher of that church out there on the highway? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you got two little boys? 
had about a five-year-old and a one-year-old in. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, you start praying every single day that God will give those boys Christian girls. And she left, and I never saw her again. Now, she might have been the mayor's wife. I don't know, okay? I'm just telling you, I never saw her again, and I had never thought of, nor anybody had ever told me anything about dads praying for their kids that God will give them a Christian spouse. I'd never thought of that. And today I can tell you that of all the things in all my life that I ever prayed about, if I had every topic I ever prayed about, by far, numerically, the one that I prayed for more than anything was that my three boys would have three Christian women who would want to marry them. And there are times today when I will look at one of my daughters-in-law and I would just kind of peek over and see her and know why she's here. So do you spend any time on your porch? And I want you to know that that that's never stopped for me. And I know some of my friends here, we've talked about it, it doesn't stop for you still today. I'm on my porch, I'm on my swing, I'm lying in bed, and I am just asking the Father for my adult children and my grandchildren. I, I'm, I'm praying things for my kids today. God, will you, will you put them in the right spot today that they can sell what they're trying to sell? Because my kids are into sales. I pray for that. When they call me, Dad, I made a great sale, I want to say, dude, you did it because I talked to the Father about it, okay? <laughs> and I find myself praying for those things. God, would you give them wisdom for various things they're going through in their life right now they got to work through? God, would you, would you, would you keep them healthy? God, would you, would you bless their marriage? Would you draw them closer to you? I've asked God to send their golf ball into the woods so I got a chance to beat them that day. I, God, would you help me on this one, okay? Have you prayed for your kids? And I'm not trying to be just simplistic about that today. I want you to pay attention to what happens in that story. Pay attention to the porch. There's a reason why he was a long way off, because Jesus was saying he was on the porch talking to the Father about his kids. I, I've shared this a few times before, but... I, I just thought, man, it fit real well. It's my favorite family prayer story. We were having dinner at our house one night, and I had asked my youngest son, Kobe. Uh, he was about probably, I don't know, maybe six at that time. And I, I said, Kobe, would you pray? Because I wanted my kids to learn to pray when they were young. And said, Kobe, could you pray? Pray for the food. And everybody folds their hands, and he starts to whisper and kind of mumbling. <laughs> and uh, I always taught my boys when they were kids to enunciate, look somebody right in the eyeball and talk like a man. And I tried to teach him that when he was little. And so he's over there going, and I just, it kind of irritated him. I interrupted him. I said, Kobe? And everybody looked up. I said, I can't hear you. And he looked straight in the eye and said, I ain't talking to you. (laughs) And I thought, okay, he knows what it's like to talk to the father. I was not the occasion at that moment. There is, there is an explosive impact when dads 
spend time on the porch. I'm going to send you out with one last thing I want you to say. I want you to note in the story the party. Um, and I, I told you verse 20 is kind of the key. And it's a long story. There's a lot of verses. But man, the, the key is in that 20th verse. And I read the first part of it where the kid was a long way off. And then I want you to read the last part of the 20th verse, which was the response of the dad when he saw him. He said he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And y'all know about that part of the story. So kind of envision it, okay? He's on the porch, he's looking out, he's looking up, and then today's the day. There he is, there he is. And this verse says the dad drops his coffee cup, man, and he hightails it out there. Now, get under the covers. Peel the layer of the onion off. You've read this a million times, but get under the covers. And let me tell you something about this verse right here, right here. He runs out there, he hugs him, he kisses his son, and all of that, don't miss this gang, all of that happened before the kid ever apologized. See, we remember the part of the story where he looks at his dad and says, man, I've messed up. Will you take me back, man? I'll be the lowest guy on the totem pole. We know that part of the story. This happened before any of that. And I don't know about y'all, you're probably better people than me, but I'm looking out over the field and I see him coming out, and here's what I say. Here he comes. That's the one that, that's the one that took all my hard-earned money and used it with stuff that we don't do here. That's the one that broke his mama's heart. And I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna see what he's gotta say for himself. And if he's man to come up on this porch, I'm going to bop him upside the head. Not this dad. He extended forgiveness before apology was offered. Now I'm messing with some of y'all because there's people in the room right now that you're ready to forgive people. You're just waiting on them to say they're sorry. And this dad didn't wait for any of that because he leaned toward grace and that started the party. We're gonna have the best food in the kitchen. This ain't hot dog night. This is steaks on the grill night. And those of you who know the story know the oldest son, man, he is, he is lit up. You gotta be kidding me. We're doing this for him. He's a punk, man. Look what he did. And you, you ever look and see what the dad said to his older son? Here's the bottom line of what he said. You do, do what you gotta do, dude, but we're having a party. Because we're going to lean toward grace. We're going to lean toward grace. <clears throat> so Larry and I used to sneak up on uh, Mr. Dietzen's front porch on Main Street. Did it at night when nobody was watching us. And he had one of these... Uh, I thought about doing this. I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna have to finish the sermon down here or not, but <laughs> he had one of these porches where they had a like a brick block wall in the front of the porch and you know the swing and everything's back here. And we'd we'd sneak up there at night. And we'd probably have 11, 12 year old hoodlums and we'd sneak up on Mr. Dietzen's um, porch and we'd hide under that wall so nobody could see us and we'd see when lights started coming 
down Main Street and we'd look up just enough to throw one of the eggs we stole out of our mama's refrigerator and get back down again. And then on that day, the windshield that we hit belonged to a Danville, Illinois city police officer. And it's the only time your preacher has ever been in the back seat of a police car. And he said this. He said, boys, I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to take you to jail or I'm going to take you to your dad's. And we said, take us to jail. Because <laughs> you take us to dad and we're going to die tonight. And he said, I'm not taking you to jail. And I can remember him pulling up 107 Minnesota Avenue and getting out of the car. You come with me and took me up to my dad. And we did not have steaks on the grill that night at my house. What do you do when something like that happens at your home? What do you do? I mean, this, this is your chance to ask yourself what you do when you run into situations like this. You got to stand on truth. You got to teach right from wrong. You can't compromise standards. But you lean toward grace. And one of these days, your kids are going to look at you and say, how come you didn't kill me? And your answer is, because Jesus didn't kill me. You think back to those statistics that we looked at earlier, and let's say they're two times exaggerated. Let's say they're, they're three times exaggerated. Let's say they're four times exaggerated beyond accuracy, but they still shout a message that, guys, we have got to hear. The spiritual health of our families might very well come down to you. Father, I pray that, that this weekend in this room, starting tonight, that there will be men who maybe for the very first time in their life understand the serious nature of their position. And only your spirit can, can get down into the soul of a man for him to understand his calling on this earth. And my, my prayer is that your spirit will use something that we've said to save a home, to save a home.